Hungry people. So kind of just to reiterate what Shalina said, man, we are so honored that you're here. How many glad you came to church this morning? Now, I've said this before, but I really want you to think about it. Isn't church better than prison? <laughs> Few laughs, I know, but think about it. I'm so glad that I get to be here. Man, what a wonderful family that we all are, aren't we? Aren't we the best family? We just love one another. You know, one of the things that I love about this family is that it's inclusive. Don't you hate, you know, declusive families? That is a word, declusive? What's the other word? What's the? Exclusive. Yeah, that's the, That's why I have my sister-in-law sitting up front here, just to correct my English. <clears throat> but I'm, I'm thankful that we are an inclusive family. You know, in Isaiah 50, 54, uh, the Lord told us just to come back to that because he actually said, make plenty of room, elbow room, because of your growing family. And you know what? People are hungry for the Word of God. And so this is what we do here. We got a hungry group here this morning, don't we? I mean, look at the person next to you. Look how hungry they look. <clears throat> Maybe they didn't eat breakfast and just <laughs> shred softly. <clears throat> no, it's okay. I was just singing real loud, so that's why I'm kind of quirky. But man, I just, I love the presence of God. Isn't God so good? And He loves us. And not only this, one of the things that we're talking about, this series is moving forward about craving. But we're here not to just give us more head knowledge about God. We're here to have experiential knowledge of Him. So we want to move beyond just having head knowledge and understanding, knowing about God, to moving and having an, ex an experience and encountering Him continually. Amen? Right? Isn't it good that you maybe had an encounter a few years back, but what we had to have to have a fresh relationship with Him. And that's wonderful. Every day, every time that we as a family can get together, guess what we're doing? We're eating of God's faithfulness. We're coming back and having an encounter with Him every single time we meet. Aren't you thankful for that? That He's not a God that's an absent father. Every once in a while He'll show up. No, He's come to be here with us. So this morning, I believe with all my heart that God's got a word for you. Right? He'll meet you at your expectation. Right? If you come in expecting, guess what? You're going to leave full. Right? So I want to encourage you. Let's get our expectation up. Lord, I'm getting direction this morning. I'm getting clarity. I'm getting answers. Because in this church, this local body, God has anointed us to preach the Word of God so people get it. Come on, say that with me. I'm anointed. Oh, no, no. I need you to say this. If you're, this is your home body. You need to say this and own this. I am anointed to preach, to teach, explain, the Word of God, so people get it. Now, the Lord just helped. He quickened this to me this past week. While I was just in our prayer time this last Tuesday. He, uh, the word get it, it doesn't just mean, you know, they get the revelation, the understanding of things, but they also get the manifestation of what they're believing God for. So that's what we are equipped and what we are anointed or graced to do as Impact Life Church. We are anointed so that people get it. Woo! Aren't you thankful for that? Yeah. So every time that we come in and these doors are open, whether it's a connect group, whether it's Saturday night service, Sunday morning, what are we doing? We are coming around the Word because we are going to get it. Oh, man. And so our eyes, listen, our eyes are open, we see. Our ears are open, we hear. And our hearts are open because we can respond to what the Spirit of God on the inside of you is showing you. Right? Okay. So if you got your Bibles, I want you to turn to Daniel 11 and we're gonna, we'll get there in a sec. But I'm going to be reading some scriptures. I'm going to go over a few things, foundational stuff again that we've been talking on the last two weeks. Uh, but before I get into that, I want to just, again, reiterate a few things that we're talking about regarding craving. And one of the things that we as a church, we are moving away from, we're moving from being a fan of Jesus to actually craving Him. Now, what's the difference between a fan and someone who craves? A fan is this, someone 
that I like what Jesus can do for me, so I'm an admirer of his work. Whereas a craver is someone I want Jesus for who he is. A fan is I'm an admirer of his work. I want what he can give me. A craver is someone I want the man. Right? And this is what, I love this. We get to talk about Jesus. And we're moving beyond the place where, yeah, we like what he can do, this for sure. But more than that, I want this man, Jesus. And uh, I just got a quick, a quick time out for a sec. I need to just also share with you a few cool things that happened you know, last weekend that we had our conference. One of our uh, heartbeats and our priorities here at the church is that we are distribution center of the word in every form. And uh, so us as a church family, for those that you don't know, we are partners with Jeremy and Sarah and their ministry. And so we partner with them on a regular basis. But we also have the opportunity to bring them in. And when we do, our heart is then to sow financially in getting the word out. I believe one of the reasons why we're divinely connected is because they have the same heart and mission of getting the word out, Jesus for every generation. And that's what we're all about. And so last weekend, we had an awesome opportunity to sow as, a, as the people, but as a church, into their ministry. And I want to just tell you what we sowed last weekend. Can I tell you? We gave just over $18,000. Are you? Yeah, that's amazing. And you know what? That is your seed that has gone forth. And guess what? That's going to come back to you. Because what are you doing? You're taking an interest in God's heart and God's vision of getting his word out to all generations throughout the entire earth. You and I have a part of that. And all, you're not going to see it all in this natural earth that we're here. But when you get to the next life, Jesus is going to go, oh, Impact Life Church. You, Oh, yeah, you guys help me get the word out over there. Thank you. Are you kidding? There's nothing better than just to hear that from Jesus' lips. Is thank you for sowing into that so my word can go forth. Yes. I don't know about you, but that gets me excited. You know what that shows me? Is that the kingdom of God is on in advance continually. Even in Red Deer. Huh, we are hungry people. And so I just want to say thank you for all those that gave and you sowed your finances into the, the conference that we had last weekend. It was phenomenal. And Jeremy said that this was the best time that he's ever had. So giddy up. <laughs> Back to Crave. So what's the difference between a fan and a craver again? A fan is what? An admirer of the work. A craver is someone who? I want the man. I want what he's got. I want him. So in other words, you could say it like this. I have a powerful desire to know him. I want his leadership. I want his thoughts in my life. And I'm willing to yield to his lordship. You know, this past week, I just asked this question. I said, Lord, why is it that some people experience you in their life more than others? I mean, think about that. Why are there some people that constantly experience God? It's almost like God said this to me and God's talking to me about this. And Man, they had an experience with God again. Why is that always happening? You know what the answer is? It's because they are cravers. They want Him. They want Him in their life. They are, God is essential to their life. And you know what the Lord said this to me? You are having as much of me in your life that you want. You are having as much of God in your life that you want. God is not putting any limits on how much of Him that He can give you. It's you and I that actually put the limits on Him. So even experiencing God in our services, guess what? That's why we got the worship team up, just to prime the pump and get you ready to rock and roll. Why? It's because we want to take the limits off and say, God, you're welcome here. We want you here because we set the limit. I'm not you, but I want those limits off. Anybody else? Man, and I think this is a perfect example of who Moses, the heart of Moses, when he stood on that mountain in Exodus 33, said, Lord, show me your glory. You can see his heart, his passion. God, I want you. Yeah. Right? I don't want to be like those Israelites that just hung out at the bottom of the camp. I want God. I want the fullness of him. Yeah. Right? Anybody else in here? Yeah. Okay. So when you are saying, I crave you, God, 
When you're saying these words, this is what you're saying. I want, to have, I want you, God, to have complete access in my life. Even those little bitty areas that may be secretive or nobody else really knows about and that you're even too scared to open. You're saying, God, no, I want all of you in my life. Have access to me. Secondly, we're saying is, God, I want your leadership. I mean, you think about it, not everybody wants God's leadership. It's stretching. Guess what? It's also uncomfortable. But I'll be you. I want God's leadership in my life. He's a very good leader. <laughs> and I want his leadership. Just say that with me. I want God's leadership. I want the Holy Spirit's leadership. Ooh, and you know what? That's what we need in our services. We need his leadership. Trust me, you don't want just an Impact Life Church show. That's going to be lame real quick. So what do we want? We want the leadership of the Holy Spirit. And we're going to get comfortable with that. We're going to get comfortable being uncomfortable. Okay. All right. Next, we're saying, God, I want you, I want to have your thoughts. And lastly, I just took this, uh, this snippet from Smith Wigglesworth Burke. And this, again, is a gentleman that I really enjoy reading after. And uh, this was an individual who had spent a lot of close time with Smith Wigglesworth. And uh, he was just kind of taking, you know, kind of a biography, watching him and doing different things. And he said he was watching him come down the stairs. And all of a sudden, halfway down the stairs, he stopped. And you could tell the Lord was dealing with him on the inside. And finally, when the Lord was done talking to him, he came back down and he said, Smith, what, what did God say? What did the Lord say to you? And he said this while I was on the midstep. He said, Wigglesworth, I'm going to burn you all up until there is no more Wigglesworth, only Jesus. Wow. Now, I don't know about you, but I'm putting myself in there. Housing, now I want you to say your last name. Say your last name. Some of you have no idea what your last name is. I heard some housings. No, you're, no your last name. You're not going to burn me out. Housing, you, 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 get, you deal with your own self, all right? Housing, I'm going to burn you all up. So say your last name. Now say this, I'm going to burn you all up. Until there's no more housing, only Jesus. How'd that feel? Good, all right. We've got to get rid of some of those things. And there's even pride in even your last name. Lord have mercy. All right. So this, we, he, go, he continued to say, So I seek the Lord. This is Smith Wiggles we're talking. I seek the Lord and allow God to deal with the Smith nature and work in me the Jesus nature. And that's what we're hungry here for because we know the world does not need more Joel. What does, the, what does the world need? It needs more Jesus. So I'm willing. I'm allowing Jesus to be my Lord. I want him to be my Lord. What does that look like? He is going to burn out the Joel nature and he's going to imprint in me the Jesus nature. I want that. So what does that take? It's a craving. It's a desire. It's a, it's a heart switch. It's a turn on towards him. Right? Okay. So again, now why are we always talking about deepening our relationship with Jesus? Why can't I just give you, you know, five simple steps to receiving your miracle? Because when you are deep in your relationship with Jesus, when you're walking with him, you, the miraculous is your norm. A lot of times people are looking for, if I can just go through the drive-thru, get what I need from God, everything will be okay. Yeah, only until you got to go through the drive-thru again. Right? God is interested. He's not interested in you just having a microwave relationship. He wants this thing to be in a crock pot. He wants to burn himself on the inside of you. He wants to change the way that you think so that you don't have to constantly go through the drive-thru. Heaven's drive through. Ding, it's me again. I need another. Da, 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 da. Ring. Oh, I'm back again. God's desire is not that you go from miracle to miracle. His will for you is to live a life of victory consistently. Does that mean that troubles come? Yeah, they're going to still come. But guess what? God said that you live above those things. That's his desire. That's his heart. So we got to learn how to deepen our relationship with him so there's no more shallowness in Christianity. 
right? And that's what we're interested in is going deep. It's good to go long, but we got to go deep, right? Okay. So Daniel chapter 11, verse 32. This is a few reasons why we're talking about deepening our relationship with Jesus. At the very near the end of this verse, see the word begins with but? All right, let's start with but. Let's read it together. But the people, can you guys read? All right, let's do it together. Ready? But the people who know their God shall be strong and carry out great exploits. So who are the ones that carry out great exploits and are strong? The people who know their God. Is it the people who pray and ask for it? No, it's the people that know their God. What's the difference between Moses and a lot of just regular Christians today? What's the difference between seeing the miraculous taking place and just, you know, an average Christian? What's the difference? Someone knows their God. It's the only difference. So can you do great exploits? Now that's a loaded question. I know the answer just go, oh yeah, it's true. Think about for a second. Are you to be raising the dead? Somebody collapsed at your workplace. Do you have the power and the authority to do so? Raise him from the dead. Some of you don't. I don't know. <laughs> can you lay hands on the sick and see them recover? Well, how can you do those great exploits? How do you do that? You have to know someone. you got to know him. And if we're kind of questioning, I don't know if this is really God's will, you'll never be able to carry out exploits. We have to know this man. And he's made himself available. Right? A lot of times people think God is so mysterious and so, you know, out there. No, God is actually right here. Stick with the word. Not by experiences. you got to stick with the word. So if I'm able to carry out great exploits, guess how I'm going to do it? It's by knowing him. Man, I like that. Anybody else interested in that? So what's the next reason why we got to deepen our relationship with God? 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 9, because this is your primary call. This is why you are on this earth. It says this, God is faithful by whom you were called. Say called. called. You were called into the fellowship with his son. This is your primary call. So it goes beyond being a mechanic or an athlete or a plumber or a teacher. This is your first call. Because when you get this right, everything else in life will just fall in place. Yeah. First things first, this is my primary call, is to be in relationship with Him. Thirdly, John chapter 15 and verse 5, Jesus at the very end of that verse, He said, apart from me, you can do nothing. So I don't know about you, but I need a relationship with Jesus because I don't want to have nothing in my life. <laughs> Next, number four reason why we're talking about this is because God is the source of everything that I need. He is the source of everything that I need. Where do I go to get loved? Well, yeah, Christian answer. God, Jesus. Yeah, but think about it. Where do you go when times are tough? Where do you go? I got to go to God. He is the source of my peace. He's the source of my joy. He's the source of love. So see, if I'm trying, if I'm depending on Jamie to give all that to me, she's going to be very frustrated and I'm going to be very frustrated because I'm putting, you know, expectation on her that she can't always provide. So I have to go to my source. And yes, of course, they're natural. God gives us relationships. But I'm talking about going to the source. Jamie is not the source to, for me to feel loved. Right? Okay. Lastly, number five. Although you do a really good job of doing that. So just so that you... <laughs> I got a good wife. Number five is my entire existence depends on the deepness of my relationship with Jesus. How deep? I want to, rather than just having a relationship with Jesus that I know a bunch of little things all over the place, I want to go deep in my relationship with Him. 
I need to get rooted in this. Not just, you know, pick up a few snippets here and there. I want to know why he thinks that way. I want to know how he thinks that way. I want the whole thing. Yeah. Right? Okay. So this, uh, Psalm chapter 53 and verse 2. says, God has looked down from heaven upon the children of men to see if there is anyone who understands, who seeks God, who require Him, who long for Him as essential to life. This is what God is looking for. He's looking to see, do you find him essential? So let me ask you this question. This morning I'm going to ask you a lot of questions, okay? So can God's eyes stop on you and say, oh, I'm essential to that person's life? This is what he's looking for. Nothing crazy. He's just looking for a heart that's saying, Lord, I need you. You're essential to my living. Rather than, or do I just go to him when trouble arises? Do I just go to him, you know, when I, you know, I can't pay bills or, you know, I got this frustration. There's a, my wife's the problem. Lord, I need your help. I, I need him. He's essential to my living. Second Chronicles chapter 16, 9, it says this. The eyes of the Lord go to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong in behalf of those whose hearts are blameless towards him. So what's God's eyes doing right now? They're going across the whole earth and he's looking for someone whose heart is committed to him. That's it. Is that too hard to do? What it is on the inside, it's a heart shift. It's a change. It's an attitude adjustment going, God, I want you in my life. I don't just want what you have for me. I want you. Can you see that? And it says at that moment, God is going to show himself strong on your behalf. Woo! Something going on with his microphone? Is it? Yeah, is it? Is it? Microphone is a problem. Well, thank God our new sound system is coming in. I'm going to switch over to this handheld, so I'm going to be less... Wild and exuberant, praise the Lord. Okay, just meet me up there. Got me a check, check. Okay, hey, is that better? No, it's not better. All right, guys, we're going to do a new sound system. Pronto. For those of you who don't know, we've been believing God. Go back to the hand. If I have to yell, I'll yell. <clears throat> Sorry, everybody. Um, what was I talking about? <laughs> Crave? Yeah, I know. <laughs> huh? We're hungry. That's not giving me any direction. God's eyes. Okay, yeah, thank you. Just see all these eyes. God's eyes, they go to and fro throughout the whole earth. Yes, they do. All right, praise the Lord. <laughs> so the questions that we are addressing in this series is this. Number one is how do I have a relationship with Jesus? Number two, then, is what does a relationship with God look like? And thirdly, when did this relationship with Jesus start? So what we've been going through and what we've been adjusting is our mindsets. Because how I many you know we have to have a proper mindset if we're going to connect with God effectively? Yeah. Our mindset is vital in our relationship with Jesus. Now, I don't know about you, but, you know, a lot of times, a lot of the things that I've heard growing up, and I, I took them this way, is that everything in my life was spirit and it was body. My mind was kind of left out there in no man's land, just kind of doing its own thing. I just thought if there, if I had a problem physically, it's because my spirit was weak. So what did I do? I got to pray. I got to read the word. I got to pray. I got to read the word so that it's stronger than my flesh. Anybody else ever think of that? that? Yeah. Okay. Me and my uncle. All right. There we go. Two of us. <laughs> but what I'm finding out, you know, this past summer, Jamie and I had an opportunity just to get away for our 10 year anniversary. We went to Phoenix and you know what? I received some really deep revelation. You want to know what it is? I have a soul. <laughs> you may be laughing, but for some people, they have no idea that that thing is even affecting anything. Let me tell you this. Your relationship with God spiritually is perfect. 
You spiritually are complete. There is not a spiritual problem with you at all. How do we know this? Well, the Bible tells us so. If any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has... Behold, the fresh and new has come. So you've been made brand new in your spirit, right? Right. So we connect God, spirit to spirit, no problem there. It is working. It is vital. So where sometime is the issue in my relationship with God? God is not the problem. So where does the problem lie? Soul. There's something going on here that's not proper. So we've got to get this thing renewed to what God says about it. Because we get born again, we receive Jesus as our Lord and Savior. And what happens is we come now into this relationship with Him, still with old mindsets that we got in the world, and that will not work. In fact, it will leave Christians very frustrated. Yeah. Right? I'm kicking that around. <laughs> so let's go here. Let's just look at this. So we started this relationship, or sorry, we started this talk with answering the question, when did this relationship begin? So can anybody tell me, when did this relationship with Jesus begin? Before the foundation of the world. Woo, before. Everybody say before. before. Not the moment that you accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. That's maybe when you came into realization that you had one. But this happened before the foundation of the world. So the first mindset that we had to establish, <laughs> are you ready, is this. That God wanted a close relationship with me first. Because this is the way that the Lord said it to me again this week. He said, Joel, it's hard to crave me when you don't know that I crave you. Because a lot of times we just think, okay, I'm going to crave God. Well, and then God will respond to my craving. No, we have to understand this, is that God craved you and I first. And He still does. And when we finally come into realization that this God is all over me, He wants all of me, guess what? My response is, I want you. We are not instigating this craving. He instigated it. He started. He initiated it. Right? So Ephesians chapter 1, turn there for a sec. And while you're turning there, I want you just to listen to James 4, 5. I want to read this to you. It says this, Do you suppose that the Scripture is speaking to no purpose that says, The Spirit whom He has caused to dwell in us yearns over us, and He yearns for the Spirit to be welcomed with a jealous love. The Spirit of God on the inside of you, what is He doing? He's yearning for you. What does yearn mean? A strong desire, a craving for you. Now, i got to ask you guys this question as well. Do you see God wanting you? Like, not just go, oh, yeah, you'll do. Oh, I guess. Do you see God intensely desiring you? Craving you? Now, you, I, and it's easy to say yes, but I want you to see that there is a God in heaven that longs for you. He craves you. And when you see that, it'll change everything about your life. You may have heard that all your life. Listen, I've heard that God loves me, that God loves me, that God loves me. But you know what the, 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 the thought pattern that I still dealt with in my life? Is that I'm not worthy to receive all of His blessings. Because I've screwed up. I've made some stupid decisions in my past. So what happens? That leaves me in the state of not receiving it. It's not that God's withholding. He can't get it to me because I just simply don't trust Him enough. That's all that it is. Because I, I don't feel that I'm worthy enough. So it's my own issue. It's, it's up here. So I have to go back to what he says and allow his word to transform the way that I think. So Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 3, this is where it all began. All praise to God, the, God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ. Now notice verse 4, the first five words. What does it say? 
Even before he made the world. Everybody say that with me. Even before he made the world. What did he do? God loved us and he chose us in Christ to be what? To be holy and what else? Without fault. Woo! Next verse, verse 5. says this. What does it say? God decided what? In advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. Now notice this. This is what he wanted to do and it gave him great pleasure. Keep going. Verse 6. So we praise God for the glorious grace he has poured out on us who belong to his dear son. Verse 7. He is so rich in kindness and grace that he purchased our freedom with the blood of his son and forgave our sins. And he has also showered us with his kindness along with all wisdom and understanding. So when did God do all this? Before the foundation of the world. When did he, when did God forgive you? When did he set you free? Before. So what does that mean? How does God look at us now? He sees you forgiven. He sees you free. He sees you holy right now. Let's say right now. That's how it is right now. So the moment you heard all this, the moment you heard about the gospel and what Jesus has done for you, you responded to it. You said, Jesus, I want you in my life. And at that moment, the moment you said, Jesus, guess what happened? All of these blessings that we just read, Ephesians 1, 3 through 8, became yours just like that. But I'm, you don't know what I did last week. It's not based on what you did. It's not based on what you didn't do. It's not based on your church attendance. It's not based on your tithe. What's it based on? It's based on the decision that he made before he made the world. It's just what he wanted to do. So don't argue with him. This is a good deal for you. Take it. <laughs> this belongs to you. This is how kind he is. So the second mindset that we got is this, is that God is the liberator. So what am I? I am the free. When am I free from addiction? When finally it gets off me? Come on, you, this is a whole mind shift. A lot of time people just say, oh, I'm struggling with this and I got problems in that. No, no, when did God see you free? Before the foundation of the world. So how do you now need to see yourself? Free. When? Before the addiction even came onto your life. I'm free. Say it, I'm free. This is a mind shift. Man, people are trying, I've got to, I'm trying to quit smoking. I'm trying to being able to do this. They're trying to do all those things and it's not working. Why? Because they don't have a revelation of what Jesus did for them before the foundation of the world. This is the decision that he made. Can we see this? <laughs> okay. So we know this. God is the forgiver and I'm not going to go into this, but two weeks, I encourage you, if you weren't here and you want to know more about the forgiveness and freeness, we had a lot of dancing people up here a couple weeks ago. Woo, man, we had a party up in here. And what it is, is people just relaying, I'm, I'm free from this. Free from worry, free from anxiety, free from my, my kids or my family's salvation. I'm free of the care. I'm free of it all. I'm free from drugs. I had a, you know, a gentleman back there. I'm free from weed. Praise God. This is where you can do that. You're free. Man, doesn't that feel good? Even while you're smoking it. Every puff, let me encourage you, say, I'm free. Every time that you're trying to quit something in your life, you're trying to get rid of this. Don't do it on your own. You're not capable of doing it. You need the grace of God. So every in between puffs, just say, I'm free. Between each drink that you're maybe trying to get that out of your life, I'm free. 
you got to start declaring what God said before the foundation of the world. Don't look at your here and now, and this is my problem, this is this. No, God's eyes see you holy. And it's the goodness of God that leads people to change. He's that good. He's so kind. And now we're not finished yet. This just gets better. Okay? Now what I want to share with you this morning <laughs> is that you and I, the mindset that we need to take on. If Jesus, you know, a couple weeks ago we talked about Jesus getting rid of sin. You know, Hebrews 9.26 in the Passion Bible says that Jesus annihilated sin. Now when something is annihilated in your life, what does annihilation mean? Obliterated, destroyed, it's completely gone. So if there is not a sin you know, issue that's separating me and God, then who am I? If sin is gone, then who am I? This is the thing. I am righteous. I am right. Oh, everybody say it with me. I'm right. Ooh, this feels good. You are not a sinner. Jesus got rid of sin, so there's no more sinner title. Now, for somebody to come out of the kingdom of darkness, out of the sin lifestyle, into the kingdom of God's dear son, all they got to do is confess Jesus as Lord. Jesus did the way with sin, right? Okay, so let's look at a few things here. I want you to go to Hebrews chapter 5 and verse 13. And I'm going to, again, I'm going to ask you a few questions. Right now, do you see yourself in right relationship with God? These, you don't have to answer me. I want you just to please take this home. Ask yourself these questions in your time with the Lord. Do I see myself right before your eyes? Do I see myself right as if I've never done a thing wrong? Do you see yourself that way? Because let me tell you this. If you still find fault in yourself, you are going to struggle in a relationship with Jesus. You're going to struggle in receiving anything from Jesus. Because as long as you see yourself unworthy in any kind of way, you are hindering Him from loving you. Last question I want to ask you is this. Do you see yourself worthy of all of God's goodness and His blessings on your life? Do you see yourself worthy? He's provided healing for your physical body, for your mind. Do you see yourself? Are you worthy to receive that? This is where people struggle. This is all that it is. And is there anything on God's end that's holding back? No. God is for you. He is for people. <laughs> okay. So Hebrews chapter 5.13, you guys are there? And I don't want you to read it in the New Living. It doesn't give enough clarity for me. But I want to read it to you from the Passion Bible. You can follow along. Same, some, some, some says something similar. It says this, For every spiritual infant who lives on milk is not yet pierced by the revelation of righteousness. So what's the Bible really telling us? Not knowing my right standing with God will keep me in babyhood Christianity. And do you know what's sad to say? Even a lot of churches out there that keep people in babyhood stage. As long as we don't talk about you being righteous, you will stay stuck in babyhood Christianity. So how do I grow up? Spiritually speaking, how can I go from babyhood to manhood? What does it look like? What do I need, what do I need to have a mindset of? Come on, somebody. We're talking about it. Righteousness. If I do not have a righteousness consciousness, guess what? I will be a baby all the days of my life. But the moment that I become 
righteous mindset, I have this righteous mindset, now I actually can start living in the kingdom of God and start experiencing things in this life. Why? Because, you know, you see it over and over in the Bible. You know, Habakkuk chapter 2, verse 4, Romans 1.17, Galatians 3.11, Hebrews 10.38, it says that the righteous shall live, how? By faith. And a lot of times I feel we've jumped the gun. We're teaching faith, and yes, faith is good. Faith is it. But if we're not aware of our righteousness, consciousness, and who we are in Christ Jesus, it is impossible to live by faith. Why? Because the mindset hasn't been changed. You're still thinking that you're unworthy, that you're guilty, that, man, I'm still a sinner, saved by grace. Sin is gone. I am righteous. And until we get that mindset, living by faith will be impossible. Can't be done. But the moment that I understand that I am righteous, that I am right before God, living by faith then is easy. Faith isn't hard. Faith is not hard, people. It's not difficult. What do we need then? We need to get established and have this word piercing our mindsets that I am right. But I messed up last night. In God's eyes, I am right. When you find out that you're right, it changes your actions. Not doing right things will change you. No, it's understanding and seeing that God made me right, that now I can do right. Right? You see that? Okay. So let me just prove this to you. How do I become righteous? And I'm going to answer this question by saying how we're not made righteous. Okay, so I want to just show you a few things. Let's turn to Romans chapter 3 and verse 20. I hope you got your Bibles. We're going to look at a few verses this morning, okay? All right. Verse 20, Romans chapter 3, it says this, For no man or no one can ever be made right with God by doing what the law commands. The law simply shows us how sinful we are. Okay. So what again? What's the law? The Ten Commandments, right? Thou shall not, thou shall not, thou shall not. What are these Ten Commandments? Are they internal or are they external? They are external. Don't do this, otherwise you'll get this. So what is the Bible telling us? No one can be made right or righteous with God by doing external works. Can you see that? Okay. The law simply shows us, or these external works that you know God commanded of us, they simply show us how sinful we are. <laughs> so again, I need to just reiterate, what is the law given? What was the purpose of the law? The law was given not to show us how to be made right with God. The law was there to show us that we needed a rescuer. We needed somebody to save us. Now, I use this illustration. I'm going to use it again. But imagine you went on on a blind date, and you know, you're sitting across from the pretty girl, and, and you had pasta, and you got you know, tomato sauce, and all of a sudden, you say, I'm going to go to the washroom and go freshen up. And you, you know, run to the bathroom, and you go stand in front of the mirror, and the mirror reveals to you that you got you know, spaghetti sauce all over your face. Now, you could look at that thing and go, you stupid mirror. What's wrong with it? And you could start punching holes in this mirror. But is it the mirror's fault that you got spaghetti all over you? No. So what did, what did the mirror do? It showed you. It revealed your problem. You look stupid in front of that girl. You're never going to get another date. That's what you're reading into. It. You shoot, man. So what? You start, you know, start scrubbing it off. The mirror doesn't jump off and just start rubbing it all off again, trying to get the spaghetti sauce. The mirror is there to reveal your issue. That's what the law is. The law is here to show you how screwed up we are. <laughs> Praise God. <laughs> That's all that is purpose. That's what it's there for. 
So then, so trying to obey the law or trying to obey the commandments will not make you right before God. Gotta get that so clear because again, the religious spirit is the most deadly in the church today. I have to do this. If I don't pay my tithes, then I'm cursed. Wrong mindset. If I don't go to church, then God's gonna be mad at me. Wrong mindset. I know a lot of you know that, but we gotta just, we gotta get this. This is grace. It's a whole new way of living. Okay? The next verse I want you to see, Romans chapter 8 and verse 3. I'm going to just really prove this to you. It says this, The law of Moses was unable to save us because of the weakness of our flesh. So again, because of our weakness of our flesh, the law of Moses did us no good. You know, we, we know it as the Ten Commandments, but if you actually read and kind of study the book, the book of Leviticus, it's a great study. I encourage you to really read it. But you find out there's over 613 laws that you had to obey. Now, does anybody want to quit their job and try to obey all those laws? I don't know how on earth you could do that, but thank God there is a man that did that for us. Who's his name? Jesus. Come on, who's his name? Jesus. Say it again, church. Yeah. Uh, so I just had to let my... I'm, I'm, a, I'm a black man trapped in a white man's body. I just have to let it out. When I see Nana up there, I'm like, oh, man, I want to do that. <laughs> Anywho, continue on. Galatians chapter 2. I'm fine. Really, I'm fine. I have a soul. I understand that now. So, Galatians chapter 2. Let's read this in verse 16. All right, you ready? You found it? So I do not have these ones on the screen for you, but I encourage you, just if you've got a Bible, a phone, follow along with me. Verse 16, it says this, Yet we know that a person is made right with God by faith in Jesus Christ, not by obeying the law. And we have believed in Christ Jesus so that we might be made right with God because of our faith in Christ. Not because we have obeyed the law, for no one will ever be made right by, with God by obeying the law. Verse 17. But suppose we seek to be made right with God through faith in Christ, and then we are found guilty because we have abandoned the law. Would that mean Christ has led us into sin? Absolutely not. So what is God really trying to get to you and I? He's trying to get you and I to abandon the law. He's trying to get you away from, you know, the Bible in Hebrews chapter 9 also tells us, away from dead works. Anything that you do trying to please God, anything you do trying to get closer to God, apart from grace, is a dead work. You are working yourself into the ground. Remember all those, oh, I'm never going to do this again. Ever say that to yourself? I'm never going to do this again. And what happened? Come on, what happened? You did it again. Oh, but this time. No, this time I really mean it. Man, I, I, man Lord, I'm going to write this contract. I am never going to do this again. Jewel M. Housing. Put that in my Bible and carry it. And all that happens, what happens a week later? Oh, I did it again. What's he showing us? You cannot be made right in your own efforts. Why? Because this flesh, look at your flesh for a moment. That cute thing that you know showered this morning. It's dead. <laughs> you can't do enough to please God with it. Let's continue on. Verse uh, 18. He says this, Rather, I am a sinner if I rebuild the old system of the law. Or sorry, let me just read that again. Rather, I am a sinner if I rebuild the old system of law I already tore down. For when I tried to keep the law, it condemned me. So I died to the law. 
I die to my personal efforts. I die to me trying to get closer to God. I die trying to make things happen in my own life, getting closer to God. you got to die to that. In order for a system to come now completely new in your life, you have to die to something else. Let me encourage you. Let me encourage you today. Stop trying to get closer to God on your own terms. It will not work. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to spend time. I'm going to read my Bible and pray every day for an hour. You are not going to make it. That's not really encouraging. No, sometimes you need to show how it's not going to work so that you stop doing it. It does not work. Unless grace is prompting you, unless grace is showing you, you, it will not work. It'll be dead works and you'll be frustrated. You'll feel guilty. You'll feel ashamed. You'll feel condemned. And that's not God putting it on you. That's your own consciousness doing it to you. So he's saying, stop doing all that. Here's the law. Here's Jesus. He's trying to get you away from this law and point you to Jesus. Look at this man. This is it. Get off the law. Look at this man. Right? What's his name? Yeah, that felt good. Okay. Verse 19. For when I tried to keep the law, condemn me, so I died to the law. I stopped trying to meet all of its requirements so that I might live for God. Wow. You know, as long as you keep trying to do this and I'm going to keep trying to do that, you are not living for God. Who are you living for? You're living for yourself. I'm going to stop looking at this. I'm going to stop smoking that. I'm going to stop drinking this. What are you doing? You're living for yourself because there's no power in you. Wow. Then he goes on to say, the famous scripture we know, my old self has been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who lives, but Christ lives in me. So I live in this earthly body by trusting in the Son of God who loved me and He gave Himself for me. I do not treat the grace of God as meaningless, for if keeping the law could make us right with God, then there was no need for Christ to die. As long as you keep trying to, in your own personal efforts to make it happen, guess what? You actually saying to yourself that Jesus actually didn't need to die. I got this. Anybody ever said that before? I got this. Well, let me encourage you. You don't got this. Who's got it? Jesus did it for you. Ah, okay. And I can be honest, I hate religion. I hate it with a passion because every time that I have the opportunity to talk about my best friend Jesus, what hinders me and another individual talking at a grocery store is a religious mindset. It kills people. It keeps them bound up. It keeps them not experiencing the goodness and amazingness of our loving God. Holds them back every single time. So we are here to stomp religion. Okay, next, Galatians chapter 3, verse 11. Yeah, I'm just laying a quick foundation. It says this in the very beginning. So it is clear that no one can be made right with God by trying to keep the law. I think I've hit this hard enough, have I not? You cannot do it by trying to keep the law. And last scripture, Gen or Galatians chapter 5 and verse 4 says this, If you are trying to make yourselves right with God by keeping the law, Notice what's happened. You have been cut off from Christ. You have fallen away from God's grace. <laughs> Man, isn't that crazy? That's a power pack scripture. Okay. How do you become righteous? How do you become righteous? If I don't do it by obeying the law, if I don't do it by keeping my to-do lists, then how do I get righteous? Listen, this is so easy. And I think it's vital that we understand this because we need to understand who our God is. Yeah. Remember when you were lost in sin? Just remember this for a moment. Yeah. What did God do? Did God come, you know, jumping in and come into the bar and drag you out and say, you stop doing that right now or else, mister. 
Anybody ever that, get that experience? No? Maybe your mom did or your dad did? <laughs> but we kind of, you know, maybe a wrong picture we have is that we think God is naggy. Stop doing that. Stop doing that. Stop doing that. And maybe that's how you even perceive God because of the way you grew up. Right? I mean, I'm, I'm learning this for myself as a parent. Now that I got three little ones, oh man, am I learning a lot. Lord have mercy. And it's real, what's wonderful to me is I actually get to see the Father's heart in parenting. I actually, I experience it. I see it a lot more. Does God come down on us and say, you stop doing that or, or else? Has he ever done that? Now, how many times have I done that as a parent? A few too many times. <laughs> Trying to threaten with fear. But you think that's the same way with God. What does God give us? Grace. Choice. Choices. He gives you choices. Listen, as Christians, we should be able to preach this message of grace and of righteousness before God that you can see people actually say to you and say, man, you're just giving people a license to sin. Absolutely. You are free to do whatever you want. You are free to drink as much as you want. You are free to smoke as much as you want. You are free to sleep around as much as you want. You are free. But is it advantage to you? All things are acceptable or you know, permissible, but all things are beneficial. So, hey, this is the freedom that you have. God came to set you. Come on, this is, this is the biggest thing to God, is your and my freedom. Why did God put the, uh, the tree of life in the, in the Garden of Eden along with the tree of good and evil? Why did he put them both in there? Even know, like, think about this, even knowing that Adam and Eve were going to mess this whole thing up, he still had to put it in front of them. Why? Because God is a God of love, and you cannot love somebody without choice. That's why. That's why he gives you the choice. You are free to do whatever you want. You are free to come to church. You don't even have to go to church. But you get to. <laughs> Think about it. Everything is just so switched. This is who our God is. He came to set us free. His freedom is vital to you and I. So we've got to get this message across that you people are free. Young people, you're free. Serving Jesus is the greatest thing that you could ever choose. Now, because we've got to be honest and tell these guys. I remember when I was youth pastoring, I remember telling them, sin is fun. Be the church. Oh, no, it's not. Yes, it is. Do you remember doing it? <laughs> remember the good times, all the laughs, all the stories that you still reminisce about? But what did it lead you to? Death. Because sin always has a payday. Was the bar fun? Yeah, I went with all my buddies. It was a lot of fun. But in the next morning, I sure regretted it. Right? It was a lot of fun in all this until sin gives you a payday. And when payday comes, it brings death. Not just physical death. That's where you got a lot of people depressed these days. Is because it brings emotional death, physical death, and eventually it leads to spiritual death. So it's fun, but it doesn't lead you to anything beneficial. Man. But if we could just tell people, and then you see, you know, when you get the choice, hey, you got this option and you got that option. You got, you know, here's, here's sin and here's Jesus. You gotta choose. I know for my own self, I'm thankful that my parents let me choose. I mean, I, I got my, I had to get my butt to church every Sunday. That was a rule. If I'm under your house, if I'm under your roof, you are getting your butt to church. Oh, fine. So you come up to church, not feeling real well, and people say, hey, hey, how are you doing? I'm the pastor's kids, I'm a little bit hungover, leave me alone. <laughs> Thinking that it was cool. Right? But actually not realizing, if you read Romans chapter 6, sin makes you think that you're free. It makes you think you're free. But at the very end of it, it leads you to death. It actually got you in your grip. 
It's got you just like this, right where it wants you, trying to suck all the life out of you. All of a sudden, when I came and I experienced Jesus, now, would you ever want to go back to your old sinful days? Why? Why? This is what I believe our young people need to hear. Why won't you go back? Because instead of just telling them, no, 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 no. Why? Why? Because it's fun there. So you're telling me I can't go there. Why? Why won't you go back to the bar? Why don't you go back to those old stupid ways? For you. Now, don't, don't, don't answer for them. For you. Why don't you do it? Whatever y'all say. Okay. <laughs> but then you got to lead with that why. This is why. Man, there's life on this side. Man, when I experienced Jesus, I couldn't... You know, Jamie and I, where were we? We were, were we in, I think it was at Phoenix. And all of a sudden, like, we were going to... Uh, uh, what's that? Chick-fil-A, everybody's got Woo! Oh, hey Chick All right, it's a little sensitive there. Chick-fil-A, man, that's delicious. And uh, in order to walk to that, there was a couple of bars that we passed on the one, one hand side. And we actually just looked at ourselves and go, I couldn't, even, I couldn't even think about going back into a place like that. It, it's just, it's disgusting. That's really just the bottom word that we came up to. It's just like, there's, it, there's nothing to it. It's just blah, right? Because when you come in contact with life himself, yeah. <laughs> That, that's really interesting to you? Man, when you get Jesus, and nice, you know, Christian cornies, you can get high on Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So I want you to go again. Romans chapter 3, 21. I'm going to finish it off here. Here, while you're there, I'm going to read this to you. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, 21. Again, I do apologize for this microphone. But thank you guys for all you're doing back there to make it work. It says this, For God made Christ, who never sinned, to be the offering for our sin so that we could be made right with God through Christ. So how do you become righteous? You are made that way. How many of you accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? Guess what happens by you just saying, Jesus, come into my life. Guess what happened? You were made right. Just by saying, Jesus, I want you as my Lord and Savior. By just saying that, you were made right. Just like that. Snap your finger. Just like that. Before you did any good work, before you said any prayer, God said, you're right. Now I want you to see this. Here it is in Romans chapter 3.21. Paul hits this on the head. He says, but now God has shown us a way to be made right with Him. What's the next word? Without. Say without. Without keeping the requirements of the law. Somebody say, boo, yeah, man, this is, are you kidding me? This is it. But without keeping the requirements of the law, as was promised in the writings of Moses long, long ago, we are made right with God. How? By placing our faith, our trust, our confidence in Jesus Christ. And this is true for everyone who believes, no matter who we are. Verse 23. For everyone has sinned, we all fall short of God's glorious standard. How many of you have ever heard that preached? All right, okay. And is that true? Yes. Now then look at this. Yet God, with undeserved kindness, what does He do? Declares. declares. What does declare look like? <sighs> he declares it. He shouts it out. I declare that you are righteous. He declares it. So who are you? Come on, who are you? If God declares it, man, we, this is the thing. I want to make sure that every time that God declares something, I don't whisper it. 
Because what He whispers, I ought to whisper. What He declares, I declare. He declares that I'm righteous, so no matter what, in my prayer time, in the time when I walk into church, the moment I wake up out of bed, this is what I'm saying. I am right. The moment I wake up, you may have had a horrible night. You say this, I am right. What is that doing? You're changing the way that you think. Rather than you trying to attain to rightness, you already are righteous. Man, this is amazing. This is the gospel. <laughs> this is the good news. You don't got to work for it anymore. Jesus already did it. Now go on. He said he did this through Christ Jesus when he freed us. Oh, go back, please. He did this when he freed us from the penalty of our sins. Thank God he freed you from the penalty of it. Verse 25, for God presented Jesus as the sacrifice for sin. People are made right with God when they believe that Jesus sacrificed his life, shedding his blood. How many of you believe that? <sighs> what happens? You're righteous. This sacrifice shows that God was being fair when he held back and did not punish those who sinned in times past. 26, for he was looking ahead and including them in what he would do in this present time. God did this to demonstrate his righteousness, for he himself is fair and he is just, and he declares sinners to be right in his sight when they believe in Jesus. Man, isn't that good news? He declares sinners to be made right. So I'm no longer a sinner. I used to be, you used to be, but then God said something. I declare you right in my sight. If God looks at me that way, I got to start seeing myself that way. I am worthy of every blessing that he has to give me. Why? Not because of what I've done, because all of this is based on Jesus. Verse 27. Can we boast then that we have done anything to be accepted by God? No. Your prayers are not going to do anything for you. But we pray because we are righteous. Can you see that? Rather than me trying to attain rightness by giving or by showing up or by, you know, doing good deeds. It's the wrong way. But now I do all these things because I am righteous. Okay. So can we boast then? No. Because our acquittal is not based on obeying the law. It is based on faith. Lastly, verse 28. So we are made right with God through faith and not by obeying the law. So who are you? Come on now, who are you? Righteous. Righteous. So when the devil pokes his little head up and starts saying little lies to you, oh, do you know, you can't, God's not going to heal you this time. Do you know what you were like to your family this last week? Do you know what you said to your kids? All of this stuff will come up and he's going to bring it to you. Why? Because he wants you off of understanding this righteousness. Because as long as he can keep the body of Christ, Christians, in this mindset of even I'm a sinner saved by grace, guess what? You are of no threat to him. But the moment that a Christian, a believer, understands that I've been made right, watch out. Why? Because now I can start declaring what belongs to me as the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Oh, man, think about that. Why does God heal your bodies? Because He loves you. Why does He set you free? It's because He loves you. Now, He did all this based out of love. So now how do I receive all this? By just simply believing that Jesus died for me and that he is so good that he wants to give it to me. I'm worthy of it. I'm worthy of every blessing that heaven's got to offer. I'm worthy of every blessing that heaven's got to offer. Somebody got to say that. I'm worthy of every blessing that heaven's got to offer.